Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Explore the Extraordinary podcast. My name is Betty Guadagno, and today I'm joined by Jerome. And I saw Jerome on another near-death experience podcast, and his story really spoke to me, and I wanted to get him into the audience for IONS and share about his journey and what he's doing now with his life and how he's assisting the collective. Um, Jerome is an intuitive wellness guide, and I just... First of all, I love that title. It sounds so awesome. And it is such a beautiful gift. And Jerome assists people in healing um, their perceptions of chronic illness. And I'm really excited to hear about that. And I think that this is going to be a great conversation today. So I'm going to toss it right over to you and give you some space to share. Thank you for your willingness to serve today. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm excited. So... Uh, I guess I start in with my story. My story started on January 1st of 2004. Um, I was just a few months out of college and just graduated from college and was I had moved from the city where my college was in to Washington, D.C. to start my first professional job. Um, and a few, about two weeks before New Year's Day, um, I was starting to feel a little ill and um, I had a fever. I was starting muscle weakness and things like that. And I was doing everything I knew how to do uh, to get better and, you know, resting more, eating better, um, all of those types of things. And, and I wasn't really getting better. And on New Year's Eve, um, my situation had kind of reached a pinnacle where I was in a lot of pain and I noticed my body was swelling. And so I went to the emergency room. <clears throat> well, actually, I called my mother, uh, who was a physician, and I had to ask her to, to prescribe me some medication. Um, and she said she couldn't do that because it was across state. So the best thing for me to do was to go to the emergency room. So I went to the emergency room and um, the doctor came in and she was like, she looked at me and she did her you know, initial assessment. And then she ran some, she got some blood work and ran some tests. And when the blood work and the test uh, came back and she came back into the room, instead of by herself, she had a team of doctors. And she they surrounded my um, little bed that I was on at that time. And um, she the first thing she did to me was she handed me the phone. She said, you have a call. And it was mom, uh, like a call. And at this time, again, I was just new into the city, so I didn't know that many people. So there would be nobody calling me at the hospital. Um, but when I answered the phone, it was my mom and she's down hysterical and she said, I'll be there in the morning. And she hung up and I knew then, uh, from the sound of my mother's voice that I wasn't dealing with the flu, which is what I thought I had going in. Uh, but when the doctor surrounded me, um, the lead doctor came and she said, you know, son, I'm sorry. Um, it looks like, you know, you have. Uh, not looks like you have kidney failure, pneumonia, pancreatitis, anemia, a fluid packed lung, a parasite in your stomach. And if all that wasn't delicious enough already, uh, you also have AIDS. And then she said, you have uh, from you know the test and what it looks like, we, we, you're looking at around seven days to live. And when she said that, um, she, she kind of just left the room to kind of let me process all of that. And as she left, 
I began to have what's called a life review. Now, most people have, most of us souls having experience, human experiences have life reviews once we leave this body and we cross back over into spirit. But I had one while I was right, uh, lying on the bed and my whole life began to flash before me. And I began to see how I had lived it, the choices I had made. And, and um, there began to be some kind of things coming up for me. Now, at this time, I had already been on a spiritual path. I had, I knew I was a soul having a human experience. I was 23 or 24. I can't remember. 23 or 24 at the time. And I had been on the spiritual path for a few years. Um, and I knew that I was a soul having a human experience. And I deeply believed that um, this wasn't this life wasn't the end of me. So as I was going through this life review and faced with my own death, right, faced with the realization of my own death, I wasn't really afraid of dying. But as I began to go through this life review, there began to be some big regrets that came up for me. And what I realized, and there were questions that came up, and the questions were, was I happy with the way that I had lived this life? Uh, did I ever really truly be myself in my life? Like, was I fully the soul of Jerome in my life? Had I, um, did everybody in my my world in my life know how I truly felt about them? Like, did I really express how I felt for the people in my life? And did I feel like I had um, deposited the reason for which my soul had come here? Like, whatever its purpose or its mission for being Jerome was, did I feel like I had achieved that for it? And as I began to go through this life review, what I was seeing was the answer to all of that was no. I hadn't, I wasn't happy with my life. I hadn't really um, been myself. I hadn't really shared how I really felt. I didn't really deposit my purpose in the planet. And I didn't really feel good about myself in my life either. And so, although I wasn't afraid of death, I began to be terrified of the realization that I was getting ready to die, not having ever really lived my true life, that I was going to die um, not being Jerome fully. And so I didn't want to, I didn't want to end my life like that. I didn't want to die like that. And so I made a decision that I wasn't going to die. And at that time, um, I believed very strongly in the law of attraction and the, the possibility that we create our realities. And so I made, but before that, you know, I was using this awareness to get a parking space in front of the mall when I was late or something like that. But now I needed to do it for something miraculous. And I said, if this is going to be true, if all the things I've read, all the things I believe, all the things, you know, I speak about are going to be true, it's going to have to be true for me here and for a miracle. And I began to throw everything that I knew about manifestation, about attraction, about creating at this situation. And within, I was in the hospital for a month and I was on dialysis. They put me on dialysis. So every day that came past seven days, because that was the time that they told me I was supposed to live, every day that came past seven, um, it was like, well, you're probably just going to have another week. And then it went from, well, you have another week, you're probably going to have a month. And then it went from that to, you're probably going to be on dialysis for the rest of your life. So I was in the hospital for a month. And um, after that, after I went home, I was on, still on dialysis and going to the dialysis center. But two months after I got out of the hospital, my body fully recovered. My kidneys fully came back to functioning. There was no HIV or AIDS in my system anymore. And I was being called a miracle child. 
And the doctors were like, whatever you did, you know, or whatever happened, this is a miracle. We've never seen anything like this. This is supposed to be impossible. And um, I was feeling on top of the world. I was feeling like I knew what creation takes and I knew what well-being, wellness and well-being took. And I felt that way until a year and a half later when I found myself back in that exact same hospital with the exact same diagnosis to the T-cell count until this time, instead of seven days to live, I was being given 48 hours. And on my deathbed this time, um, instead of you know a life review, I had a question. And the question was, one, I knew that if I was back in this situation with the exact same illnesses to the T and uh, literally to the T cell count, and if I was in this dire situation again where I was facing death and I had a shorter amount of time, I knew this was, it, it wasn't a coincidence. It was, it was a message that this was my soul trying to speak to me through the health state of my body uh, and trying to share something to me that I wasn't, I, apparently I wasn't listening to. And so on my deathbed, I had a question, uh, two questions. And the first one was, I wanted to know what my soul was trying so hard for me to understand through my body that I wasn't listening to. Like I was fully surrendered here. I'm prostrate. I'm in a lot of pain. I can't even move. Just speak to me. And the second question was, I wanted to know what it really took to be well, uh, what it really took, right? What it really took to manifest the sustain wellness. Apparently, I thought I knew before, but apparently I don't because here I am back on this hospital. And once I asked that question and I said, I want to know deeply, like, I don't want to know on the surface, like, what is the deepest truth that I can know? And when um, I said that, that's when I began to have what's called a near-death experience where I began to cross over to the other side. Now, one of the things I, I say now is there was nobody else in the room for me. So I don't like to say that I, I completely died because nobody can verify that. Usually with near-death experiences, people can verify that there are machines there that can show you. But I had the experience of um, what, it, what it felt like was all of a sudden, I couldn't tell anymore where my body began and where the hospital bed ended and where the wall ended it was like all this sense of like me and there was this brightest light i've ever seen and this darkest dark i've ever seen at the same time it's kind of hard to describe but there were two things happening at once it was like the lightest light and the darkest dark i'd ever seen and once that experience happened um i felt this overall sense of well-being just this deepest, this is what I also call the, the vibration or the frequency of love. It really felt like just all is well. I am well. I am held. I am loved. I am not alone. Um, I am free. It was just this overall sense. And when I felt this overall sense of love and well-being, I heard a voice. And the voice sounded very much like me but it didn't it wasn't like this neurotic me it wasn't this this wounded me it was this like well me this me that felt like love itself 
And it said to me that um, you know a lot about trying to force life to be good to you, but you don't know shit about how to let it be good to you. And it was designed to be good to you. And you're going to learn. And you ask about how to really heal yourself and experience well-being and really manifest health and wellness. That is about loving yourself. The key to healing and the key to letting life be really, really good to you is to love yourself. And you don't know anything about that, but you're going to learn. And right when after it said you're going to learn, I came out of the experience and um, I felt my body back on the hospital bed. And then there was this kind of download that happened when I came back into my own awareness uh, in my own body. There was this massive download that's like kind of just like went right down into my body. And it was that what I was going to learn um, was going to heal me, but it was also going to be my mission here on this planet, that that was my purpose here. It was going to be to teach people what I learned about how to self-love their way into health and well-being. And I was afraid of that because at that time, I thought my purpose was to be a famous singer. And um, I also didn't know, I thought I knew what loving myself was, but I was very aware then now that I didn't. I had no clue, right? I thought it was just buying what I wanted when I wanted it or something like that. But I knew that this was deeper. And I also knew that this was the red pill moment, right? That I, what I was about to have to do, right? I had a choice. Was I going to take this journey of self-love and and um, learning about this deeply? And I, that was another thing that came in with the download was that this was going to be the deepest level of learning that I've ever had before. Like this wasn't going to be quickly. It was going to be surface. That it was going to be deep. And I knew that it was going to, it was, this was, this was new and that this version that I understood was going to have to die to let this new version of me live. And I was really scared about that, but I was very dedicated because I did not want to die. So I, I just surrendered. I said, this is, if this is what is being asked of me or invited of me really to do, then this is what I will do. And um, that began my journey into the practice of self-love. Now, when I first started uh, after this, you know, again, I was put on dialysis and um, they were surprised I lived past two days, but then the, the diagnosis, the prognosis for me was that I was going to be on dialysis for the rest of my life. And as I began to, um, the, as the other illnesses began to heal, AIDS and kidney failure were the things that began to remain. And I began my journey with self-love. And in the beginning of my journey, I thought it was about um, just, you know, being eating well, right? Eating very healthily and eating well and also affirming yourself. It was about affirming and appreciating yourself. And as my journey went along, there were things that happened that changed my understanding of not just what self-love is about, but who we are as souls. And um, the first thing that really happened was my intuitive gifts began to open and um, I began to channel and I began to be a medium. And 
I say this now because I fully believe that uh, along our journeys, the intuitive gifts that open for us uh, are the ones that most help us come into the awareness of who we really are and uh, most help us heal what we need to heal. And so mediumship was was huge for me because that was not something I ever wanted to be was a medium. I wanted to channel or something like that, but that wasn't what I really wanted to do was mediumship. But talking to souls on the other side was huge for me because instead of them just when I would work with someone and um, I began working, helping people speak to their loved ones on the other side uh, when this gift opened. And when I began to do that, um, one of the things that really happened and shifted for me was this awareness of uh, what this life is really about and what the soul really is. Like instead of just talking to their loved one, like some mediumship readings do, you know, you just get a message from your loved one about your, you and yourself. They were telling me about what the other side is really about and why the soul comes here. And so in these readings over and over and over again, it was the same thing. And they were saying like, you're just here to be yourself and you are here to, to nourish who you really are and live a life that truly feeds you. And that many of them were saying that they got lost in this awareness when they came here. And this is why, you know, their life wasn't as great as they wanted to be, or the ones that were, they had an awesome life. They were like, this is why I, I stay true to who I was. And I made sure that I had a life that fed me and nourished me. And so this was really going on over and over and over again. So I had this deep awareness that, oh my gosh, this must be being who we truly are, must be a piece of ourselves, must be a large piece of why we're here. And I really understood uh, from my work doing uh, with mediumship that the purpose for the life of the soul here is to express the soul that we are and live a life that truly feeds it. So that was something that, for one, I wasn't really fully aware of. You know, I had such a bringing that that wasn't it. You know, that that wasn't your purpose here was about what you were doing or some type of work that you were doing. But it really changed my understanding to the purpose is really to express yourself fully and to live a life that feeds you. And then the next thing that changed my awareness around who we are, our souls, and what self-love actually means is um, I began to do energy work. There began to be an energy modality that was kind of, I was trained in uh, several different energy modalities. But uh, when I began to do the work, there was a channel modality that came through for me. I began, people's bodies began to talk to me, like literally speak as if we're like, you hear my voice speaking to you. It spoke to, it would speak to me like that. And it would say like where they were out of balance, um, what energy was really starved in them and uh, what they needed uh, what type of love energy they needed in order to restore themselves to wellness. And this really began to help me understand what the soul looks like, like what the anatomy of the soul is. And we say that the soul is um, is love, and it is absolutely true. But our definition of love, uh, usually in many cultures here, is affection. And love is so much more than that. It is, and going back to my feeling of like well-being, it was such this massive energy, more than just affection. 
But it was working with people in energy work and feeling the energy of their soul and, and feeling the energy that was missing in them when they were sick, when their body was ill or um, diseased, what the energy was that was missing, that really led me to this massive understanding of what the, the anatomy of the soul. And so love is this multifaceted energy, meaning it has many aspects that make it up. And there were kind of six um, core vibrations that make up the totality of the energy of love or make, make up the basic skeleton of love, if you will, that I learned and through this journey. And they were the uh, vibration of worthiness, the vibration of freedom, the vibration of empowerment, the vibration of peace, the vibration of bliss and the vibration of belonging. All of these different vibrations are, are other words for love. They make up love. And this is the wholeness of love energy. So this is what really changed my understanding of what loving ourselves means. And so loving myself went from understanding of like, I'm eating nutritiously and I'm like being affectionate towards myself. It went to, am I nourishing, am I embodying, and am I feeding these different vibrations in me? Do I, what are the practices that I can do daily where I feel worthy, where I feel free, where I feel a sense of belonging, where I feel um, bliss, where I feel empowered and at peace? And where was I not feeling that? And so what I began to understand was when we love ourselves, our energy, our soul's energy expands in us. And this expansion is key to our health. It is literally more, um, more of an influencer and more of a determining factor to our body's health than the food we eat and the water we drink. It's, is our soul's energy expanding or is it shrinking? And these energies, these vibrations are supposed to get bigger every year. This is what spiritual growth is actually about. Are we come here to expand our soul's energy within this lifetime? So our soul's energy, the love energy, is it getting bigger? Are we feeling more worthy this year than we felt than last year? Was I feeling more free this year than I felt last year? Was I feeling more empowered this year than I felt? Was I feeling more at peace? Every year is supposed to, now maybe not like, exponential jump big, but just expansion, just growing. And if you look at every living thing, it grows. And when it doesn't grow, it starts to die. And this is what I learned was why I had manifested the illnesses, because I had lived such a long time of my life before the illness uh, uh, arose in me, starving the energy of my soul. I was starving it. I wasn't, I felt increasing shame around my body. I was teased a lot for the shape of my body. When I was a kid, I was called fat and I was made to believe that my body as it was, wasn't lovable. Um, I also felt a lot of shame around my sexuality. I, I was same gender attracted and I grew up in a culture and a society that made me feel like um, I was sinful, I was wrong, I was unwanted, I didn't belong that way. I also had intuitive abilities when I was young, and I grew up in a very religious uh, home and also in a religious environment. 
And so the fact that I could sense people's energy and I could, you know, sense other things that weren't seen was not something that was very um, um, supported or affirmed. So I grew up with heavy self-suppression. I suppressed my sexuality. I suppressed my spirituality. I, and I grew up with a lot of shame. Um, I was shamed around my sexuality. I was ashamed. And these energies um, shrunk my aura, if you will. They shrunk my soul's energy down to where it could no longer sustain my body's health. And loving myself was the practice of embodying not just the love that I am, those vibrations that I was talking about. So I didn't feel worthy. I definitely didn't feel at peace because I was constantly hiding. I didn't feel free because I was suppressing myself. And anytime we suppress ourselves, we don't feel free. We feel in bondage or imprisoned or restricted some type of way. Um, and, you know, I had some fear. I had fear around was my authentic self going to be accepted places? And I thought it wasn't. So I had fear. So there was a lot that I went through. Um, but in this understanding over these years, I began to understand what self-love was about. And it changed my entire life once I had this understanding, because then I went about, oh, I've got to reorient my life and my beliefs and my choices and my environment to where I not only embody these vibrations, the vibrations of love, but that I also expand them, that I grow them that I don't just have biological needs, like the body has biological needs for nutrition, for water, for air, for shelter. But what we're not being taught is you also have spiritual needs, uh, that these needs are energetic or vibrational, or you can even call them emotional, but you have the need to feel the vibrations of love daily, just like you need to eat daily and drink daily, we need to feel the vibrations of love in the system. And when those needs aren't getting met, just like if we didn't we didn't eat for, you know, a few several weeks, the body begins to break down. When the when the soul needs or I call them the spiritual needs and or vibrational needs, when they don't get met, the it takes a little longer for it to show up into the body, but it breaks the body down more. It breaks the body down more. So that's where the most, I would say, 98% of chronic illnesses and diseases are manifested from. So my healing was about learning how to love myself, how to meet my needs for love um, and, and build a life around me that continued to support my needs for love and, and allow me to express the true soul that I am. And when I began to do that, I began to have miraculous healings again uh, to the astounding of my doctors and everybody that looked at me. And I knew then that self-love, loving ourselves, meeting our need for love and expressing the soul that we truly are, that's my definition of self-love, um, that it is our greatest medicine. It is our greatest medicine. And it is also uh, the key that unlocks heaven on earth because the life that I live now that I have been going deeper and deeper into the practice of self-love is more delicious than what I could have even imagined possible before I got sick and before my near-death experience. Um, and it continues to get better and it continues to expand and elevate my energy. 
Um, I really believe self-love is the key uh, to not just wellness, but to heaven on earth. And that is our real purpose here. We are here to be who we really are and meet the need, our need for love. Wow. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for sharing. I love your passion behind what you're saying. And obviously your testimony is just like completely overwhelming and so beautiful. And so I kind of want to get into some of the work that you do, because I think that it's really interesting and, you know, like I, yeah, it's, it's just, it's amazing. So um, you're talking about these key areas of self-love. So obviously you, you work with people. This is what you do. I'm curious, like, is is it kind of all encompassed? Like, is it all the areas that really need work? Or do you find that people need one area more than others? Like, are there's people like, more disempowered than like feeling unworthy? Or yeah, what's what's yeah, that? There's usually several. Um, so usually when you have a chronic disease or illness, especially if it's life-threatening, you're starved, the, your, your, the energy of yourself, your spirit, I call it spiritual neglect. So your your spirit is neglected in several areas, but your body is trying to help you. I really believe that it is it's, it's it's directly sending you and telling you where you're starved. It is not a punishment, and it is not a betrayal by your body. It is literally a communication to you, an indicator of literally where you're neglecting your spirit. And one of the things I do in my work is I help people tune into the language of the body because the body speaks vibration. So the disease has a certain vibration to it, meaning it, it has a feeling around it. There are certain feelings. It makes you feel a certain way. And I'm not talking about physically. I'm talking about emotionally. It makes you feel a certain way. And when you can turn, tune into how does this disease make me feel, what you'll find is it is a direct reflection of how you've been neglecting your spirit. Like for me, for example, HIV made me feel ugly. It made me feel unwanted. And it made me feel very afraid. This is exactly how I had been feeling my whole childhood. I was teased to make me feel like my body was, I was ugly and fat and not wanted. It made me feel unwanted my whole life. It made me feel like something was wrong with my body and that nobody would love it. And this is exactly what HIV was mirroring, right? So disease is just an expression, the reflection of where, how we've been neglecting our spirit. Kidney failure made me feel um, restricted. It made me feel exhausted and it made me feel like a failure. And these were also places when I looked back, um, I was not allowed to do what I really wanted to do. I, I didn't express who I really was. I wasn't allowed to do what I really wanted to do as a child. Um, and at this time, after I had moved from college, I had gotten this socialization that right after college, you should be making six figures and you should be making, you know, this was what was going on in my, my college environment. This is all what they were pumping into us. And so when I wasn't making that, even though I had a great job, I was the highest paid in my organization just coming out of college. Um, I was feeling like a failure and I wasn't singing. I had literally moved to DC to sing and I wasn't singing. So I started to feel like a failure um, and I felt restricted. Like I wasn't, couldn't do what I wanted to do. 
Um, so this is kind of an exhausted, right? I was taking on a lot. I had a very um, people-pleasing personality before. And so I would take on a lot and say yes a lot, which would leave me overwhelmed and, and taking on more that I could handle and overexerted. So kidney failure was a reflection of that. And so this is one of the things I help people do now is really tune in to what the message their body is trying to send them. Their soul, actually what their soul is trying to send them through their body about how they have not been loving themselves. And it's very clear once you get to um, understand it and you do the work and you do the processes, it becomes very clear to you and you see, oh yeah, oh yeah, this is how I was living. This is how, and not, it wasn't my fault. I was probably socialized or traumatized into this but I can see that. Yeah. I think that we live and I, I I'm not going to speak like a we statement, but I know that for me before coming into spiritual awareness, you know, it was very challenging for me to understand that my thoughts could affect my physical being, you know, because everything in my life had taught me that that's, it's the other way around. Like if my body doesn't feel good, then of course I'm going to be depressed about it, but not thinking that it could possibly be my thoughts that are creating something inside of my physical body. I'm just wondering if maybe you could tell us some of the things that you've witnessed um, heal inside of people through doing your method and working with you. Yeah, so I'm um, actually, uh, I've worked with all manner of things, but even recently I had someone who come to me that was in stage four cancer. Um, it was in her breast and in her brain and in her legs. And we began to look at these areas of where her body was telling her. And there was a lot of shame. There was a lot of uh, what I call self, well, not what I call, it's, it's actually an actual term called self-abnegating, which is um, the neglect and deny and rejection of your own personal interests and needs, mostly because you're people-pleasing, um, your own interests are, so you're not feeling fulfilled and you probably have resentfulness. There was a lot of resentfulness that was going underneath there. Um, and there was a lot of fear uh, about life. And so as we began to do the work of really loving the self very deeply, trusting the self, trusting life, um, communicating boundaries, saying no, prioritizing uh, your own passions and your joys and your sense of fun and pleasure. Uh, and when we begin to look at that, at the, the tumors have shrunk. They're no longer cancerous. And um, she's almost on full recovery. I've worked with people who've had diabetes. I've worked with people who've had um, lung issues, uh, autoimmune issues. A lot of times the autoimmune issues uh, stem from, um, one, attacking the self, like the having beliefs of shame. We're not enough. We are something wrong with us. Um, but also of not the our boundaries, our ability to say no and prioritize our own interests and our needs are directly tied into our immune system. So uh, a lot of autoimmune issues are usually have to do with shame and boundaries. Um, but I've done, I've worked with many people around the world with many issues. And a lot of times, even if this work that I'm doing is bringing you back, helping you bring, come back home to the truth of yourself, to where you're expressing who you really are authentically, you're living your truth, and that you are developing a life that truly nourishes your needs. Because when your needs are met, you can be well. 
Now, what you'll feel in this work first is a greater sense of being home in yourself, a happiness, and you'll understand who you are and why you're here. And you begin to develop that, right? So even if the, oftentimes, even if the disease doesn't disappear, it definitely gets greater and it gets better is what I mean. It gets, it gets much better. The symptoms may disappear or whatever, but you don't even care that you have it anymore. This is the thing that a lot of times, if somebody would have said this to me in my beginning of my healing journey, I would have been like, you're crazy. But the thing that usually will happen is either the disease fully leaves you because it's just a messenger, by the way. Um, it's really supposed to be a temporary state. It's supposed to re- it's supposed to be a message that you are not home in the authentic expression of your soul and you're not nourishing yourself. And when you get the message, then the messenger has to leave. But even if the messenger stays, you are enjoying your life so much and you are fully connected to who you are and you are loving of who you are. It doesn't even matter. It doesn't, it doesn't diminish you anymore. It doesn't take away from your happiness or your sense of connection with yourself or your freedom. It almost feels like um, most people will begin to, almost every one of my clients that I've ever worked with begins to say, this was a gift. This was a blessing. And I'm so grateful that this disease showed up for me. And um, it may have been a blessing. It may have been a gift, what I call a gift wrapped in sandpaper. But it was a gift nonetheless. When you open it, it is nothing but pleasure that comes from it. I am like so inspired right now. I love that. As you were saying it, as you were, you know, talking about this process, it's exactly what I was thinking. Like it wouldn't even matter if if I remained thinking that I was ill, because I would be living my truest life. I would be stepping into the most authentic version of myself, finding passion. And, you know, like for me, those things are so important on my journey, you know, like, and, and, and I know, yeah, you know, like it's, uh, for me, it was very challenging to find any sort of purpose in the pain in my life before stepping into spiritual awareness. But now that I have, I love that imagery of a gift wrapped in sandpaper. I love Mm -hmm. it. Just thinking about how much it would hurt to unwrap it, but like inside is just like this precious gem. I love that imagery. It's so beautiful. Yeah, I'm I'm totally blown away. I'm so glad that we were able really to talk about what you're doing now. And um, you know, like I I can imagine, you know, like how much it must really, yeah, how purpose-filled you must feel being able to work with people that are perceiving suffering and being a witness to this. Like, how has that impacted you in your day-to-day? I think one of the most delicious things in my life, and there are many for me but one of the most delicious things in my life is you know for for a kid who people didn't listen to him and he felt unheard unseen for my work to literally people see me and they hear me and to see people the absolute transformation that comes the the light that comes on when you come back home to yourself and the absolute transformation of your life that happens, that is what I, and in no real, like, cause it's not me. I don't do this. I don't, I teach you how to do it, but you are the one that does it. But to see people take the key in their hand that unlocks heaven and earth 
like in a very real way for me, I don't think I've ever even said this before, but in a very real way, I'm helping people walk through the door to their own heaven. That, if if I don't do anything else, if I don't do anything else. I love that. I love that imagery as well. Like you're just sort of like that usher, like, hey, here's the door, you know, like you don't have to shove somebody through. You don't have to yell at them. Hey, there's a door, you know, you just stand there and you allow, you know, like what I do with my days, I plant a lot of seeds for people and I've never seen any of my plants flourish. And that's okay. You know, like that's not my purpose. I love picturing you as the gardener who is staying there, like with the plant on a daily basis, really cultivating. And and again, like you said, being present with another person. That's such a beautiful gift. I'm so grateful that, yeah, I'm grateful for what you're doing for the collective and that you've dialed in to this gift. Do you think that everybody has access to this medical intuitive gift that you have? I think, um, they may have access to it, but I think it depends on what um, your soul is. I don't want to say here to do, but what is most juicy for your soul while you're in this lifetime, right? So I have access to the gifts of accounting, but that's not juicy for me, right? So that's not going to be the most turned on for me in this lifetime. And so um, do you have the ability? Yes. And also, do you have the your own ability to tune in to, because your soul knows better than I ever would about anything. So about you, particularly. So do you have the ability to tune into your own inner wisdom and understand what you need to do to heal yourself and all of that? Absolutely. Because what you'll find when you work with me, more than 99%, there's a piece, there are pieces that you'll be like, oh, wow, I never thought about it like that. I never heard about it like that. Oh my gosh. But most of the work with me is going to be you. Like I'm going to help you here. Whatever I say or do with you, it's like, oh my gosh. That is exactly what I've been feeling, what I've been hearing. But now it's in a louder voice, it's clearer, and it's an affirmation where you weren't necessarily affirming the own inner wisdom that was speaking to you before. So you have this wisdom. It's not like something only I possess and I'm giving it to you. I'm helping you hear your own wisdom more clearly, and I'm going to give you some of the strategies and um, tools that I learned along the way so that it doesn't take you as long as it took me, but it's really you. I'm helping you hear the voice of your own soul more clearly. I love that. Yes. A teacher, a guide, you know, like it's necessary. I feel like I've, I've had so many teachers and guides come into my life just to affirm that I am as powerful as I could possibly be. And just to give me that motivation to remember who I actually am, you know, which is a divine spirit here for a temporary amount of time. You know, I'm so grateful that you were willing to come on and talk to us about all of this. Is there anything else that you'd like to share to feel more complete about our time together? Yeah, just the the last piece. I've said it, but I said it more more assistingly. Um, What I learned, probably my biggest takeaway from my near-death experience and the journey after that was when we love ourselves, all is well, all is coming. And all is delicious, but it can't be a moment before. 
That is so beautiful. Thank you so much. There'll be links for people to check out Jerome's um, website and contact him. And yeah, I'm so grateful for you coming on and taking time to share today. And um, and yeah, thank you so much. So grateful thank for you. Thank you so much. Yes. This was wonderful. All right. Be wavy.